0: It's time for JT the Brick. I am JT the Brick. Focus, black hole getting in there ready to rock i got my a game i've been there with the raider nation in the black hole i've been in this rivalry i've seen it in my 24 years here it's a do or die game can't let them win in vegas protect the house protect the legion stadium be ready to go no half-ass effort you don't need a phd you don't need some expert on cnn or fox news teaching you about fandom i just told you
1: gt the Brick.
0: I'm on a roll right now, so let me go. Hey, JT. Yes. I love you, and I love your show. Thank you. That's what the Raiders are based on. Al Davis, the history of the Raiders, they were always banged up. They were always taped up. They had blood coming through their helmets, and they played. The 11 angry men. I'm not encouraging injuries. I'm encouraging violence. So that's where we are, Raider Nation. Simply put, man up and play football and win a game. And now, that's a hell of a motivational speech. Here's JT the Brick. Welcome back to the final hour this week on Raider Nation Radio. JT with you. It's my Bucket of Modelo hour brought to you by... Modelo, the fighting spirit of Modelo, our proud partner. And we got a lot going on with them, especially building up the Cinco de Mayo. Yes, Cinco de Mayo is coming pretty soon after the NFL draft. And Modelo and our partnership is going to be doing some cool stuff. We'll tell you about that. So interesting final hour here as I'm in studio with Bobby. Wanted to do something a little bit different. My conversation on Monday with Fred Bolitnikoff because we got to help Freddie and Angela Bolitnikoff sell a couple more foursomes the Raider Nation should be coming to this golf event coming up here at Canyon Gate so my conversation with Freddie and then two young ladies who I jumped on their podcast and can't wait to tell you about that coming up here in a minute so here's my conversation with Fred Bolitnikoff who's done so much for us in the Raider Nation so much for me and my family personally I love the guy He's like a second dad to me I always say that and his golf tournament's coming up to 19th annual I've emceed seen them all it's a special event coming up here later on this month here's the Hall of Famer my conversation with Fred Bolitnikoff whenever I get a chance to talk to Fred Bolitnikoff as you know it's a priority for you also myself all of our families. One of the greatest players of all time, and he's getting ready for the golf tournament, which is in Vegas after all the success they've had in the Bay Area. The Bolitnikoff Golf Invitational, April 24th at Canyon Gate Country Club, right here in beautiful Las Vegas. Freddie, how does that sound? That sounds good to me. Let's get out in the sun and play some golf.
1: No mulligans. No mulligans and put everything
0: out. Well, let's get to this right out of the gate. When the great great Willie Brown was alive, Willie would come into your tournament and the others, and everybody would go, oh, my God, it's over. I can't win these long-term Raider golf tournaments, not just yours, years in the day. Willie and Cliff would come in all dapper and dressed up, and everybody said, those are the guys we got to beat?
1: You know what? The one thing about those two guys, they were consistent every time they came to our tournament. All right? Every time you could tell, you could say, okay, they're going to be within two strokes of this number, and they were within two strokes of that number, believe me. Believe oh, me. I'll tell you what, those two, were, those two were unbelievable. You always had to keep both eyes on them, not just one eye, both eyes on them.
0: Fred Belitnikoff joins us. Hey, uh, how cool is it when you call Steve Largent... And Charlie Joyner in the past, and James Lofton, and Angela calls him. You call him and say, "Here's the dates. We'd like you to come." And they're the, they're always the first guys who come right back and confirm all these legendary Hall of Fame wide receivers.
1: Oh, it's it's unbelievable. You know, we have such a. You know what? I, I really appreciate you know because of course you know being a wide receiver, I I really try to get a lot of guys that are that were wide receivers and are wide receivers. It, to come to the tournament because that that is always my priority. But to have those guys uh, show up every year and and be part of our foundation, be part of our tournament, it was the golf, the crab feed, whatever. Uh, it re- it really amazes me, and it really it really helps us out. Number one, but it's just because you know our friendship has gone on for years and years, and I have so much respect for those guys, for all the guys that come to our tournament. I, I just have a ton of respect for them and the greatest thing to be able to do is they're all good guys, you know, and that's what we've always worked on, and these guys are all first class. I mean, they're just first class guys. It's amazing. Amazing that we're able to put something like that together and have that type of guys and, you know, socializing with groups, playing with groups, just being around and talking to people. Uh, They're very good, and they've done a great, great job and really helped us out for a lot of years.
0: Yeah, and, and Rich Gannon's been coming around the last couple of years more and more. He's pretty consistent, and Rich takes it seriously, and he's great, and he interacts with the fans, and Rich has been a nice addition over the years to come to this tournament because he really enjoys it, especially connecting with his teammates from his era, but the players from your era, and it's a really nice mix.
1: Oh, yeah, to have Rich, I mean, to have Rich come in, it's a, it's a big boost for our tournament. It really is, you know, with his schedule and traveling and doing the broadcasting and everything, and what he has to do, you know, with football, uh, on a radio, on TV, whatever, you know, for him to be able to take the time and be part of our tournament every year is just fantastic for us. I mean, we love having him. And, you know, I spent a lot of years when I was coaching, you know, around Rich and saw how he operated and what kind of guy he was and how dedicated he was and how competitive he was. Uh, it's just super. And we love having him. And we, we love every year. When he's able to make it, it really gives us a big boost.
0: Fred Bolitnikoff joins us, the Hall of Famer. So let's talk Raider football. I haven't talked to you since Jimmy Garoppolo was named the starter. I like the move. I mean, I got to see what he can do, but he's won two Super Bowls as a backup. He's had playing opportunities. He wins over 70% of the time. You watch a lot of football, and we talked about what he can do in the red zone. I really think, Fred, that's what the Raiders have to clean up now and You know, Derek had a great career here with the Raiders, but when it comes to Garoppolo now, talk about what you'd like to see better in the red zone here in the efficiency because Raiders got to put up a lot of points until they fix this defense, and I think Garoppolo could really be an upgrade in the red zone and helping Devontae and Hunter and Jacoby Myers and all these other players get open and make some quick decisions. Well,
1: you know, something—I mean, you really have to break down the field, and you know, for years, the years I played and even even coached. You know, that was a big priority for us, to be down in the red zone, moving it from the 20, if you started at the 25, 20, 10, 15, all the way down. And you have to work so hard down there from the standpoint that you got to make sure that your players are used to being in that part of the field. It's shortened down a lot. Uh, they have to be able to run quicker routes, get open quicker, come up with catches, and a lot of times contested catches, so you got to battle for the ball a lot. But you really got to be disciplined down in that area. And, you know, having somebody like Jimmy being down in an area which he's very good at, you know, and now you just got to have the rest of the team just as good as him down there and really, really use the field. You know, I mean, you're using the field more laterally mm-hmm. than anything unless you start, like, at the 25, you got a little shot to the end zone. But everybody has to be quicker, faster, and know and have the feeling you know, it's like years ago, we used to do so much work uh, just just working in the end zone. You oh. know, that was one of the priorities that, you know, you get your guys working in the end zone. You know, so if you're at practice, you run your, all your routes where you're ending up in the end zone and you get the feel of the end line, you get the feel of the sideline, the back corner of the end zones, uh, you know, right, right on a goal line. So you have a good feel that when you're down there, you know, it's not foreign to you. You know, you know mm-hmm. how to hack down there, you know how to perform down there, and you know what it takes to be. It's a different game down there.
0: Hall of of Fred Bolitnikoff. So I want to stay on that. We've talked about this privately a bunch. You, you really enjoyed that and took pride with that in extra work after practice and working in the red zone, especially with your toe tapping. And you mentioned battling for the ball. And I see so many highlights of you on NFL Films where you were in the corner of the end zone. You were going up against Kansas City or other teams. And you were battling at the point, the height of your jump, to grab that ball, secure it, and then get your feet down in the end zone, let alone doing it at midfield. And the extra work that you did with Daryl LaMonica, Kenny Stabler. Talk about that, Fred, because you're really making a strong point to these younger Raider fans on how much work has to be put in for red zone production.
1: Oh, you you, you know something? The, the thing about it is, you know, you have to know how to work in that end zone, you know? And the great thing, the advantage for me was. Once we got to that 20-25, 25-20 yard line, you know, forget about the speed. Now you're into the quickness and who wants the ball more. That's all it becomes. And with me not having a great speed, you know, it that, that part of the game came in better for me because, you know, I did have good I did have good quickness. I did compete for the ball and I knew how to how to how, I knew how to act in the end zone. Let me put it that way. I knew how to perform in the end zone. And the awareness you have to have down there, when you get in there, is, is, it just has to be second nature to you. You know, we mm-hmm. always worked uh, even like when I was coaching, part of my drills were, hey, listen, we're all going down there it's the five-yard line. I want you guys catching balls in the end zone, mm-hmm. on the end line, in the corners, down by, you know, right off the goal line, uh, stay in on the sideline, and know that you don't have that much room to work You know downfield horizontally you know you got to make sure that that you you are quick enough and good footwork enough and you got to compete you know it's just that you just have to want it more than the other guy
0: Fred Bolitnikov joins us that's one of the things I'm really excited about with Garoppolo with his ability to look off safeties and twitch and pump fake kind of like Rich did in his prime down there, and the ball comes out quicker to guys who are wide open. You built a good relationship with the guys when you come in, such as Hunter, and you've talked to Devontae. Now Jacoby Myers comes in. I think this is a tremendous asset because of his size. He can play the slot. He can play opposite of Devontae. And, Freddie, and as we say, this offense runs through Devontae. When it's a critical pass, let him go get the 50-50 ball. Get him at short. Get him at the line of scrimmage. And last year we saw that Devontae could get behind the safeties and make a bunch of big plays.
1: Well that you know that, that's the thing you know when when you get those guys like Devonte, you have Myers now, you have Renfro, they all have that great quickness. They all they all have that uh, they all have that sense of wanting to compete down there and score and and catch the ball and take the ball away because you know you get down there and uh you know things open up and they're open up right now and they can close up that quick you know so when you had guys like Rich Gannon or Kenny and and uh, Daryl years ago and now with Jimmy, you know, they know how to get the ball in there quick and you got to be alert, and you got to be ready for it. But that that group of receivers, uh, you know, they're built they're built for the red zone. Yeah. And you know. that's the one thing I like about it because they know how to compete, they know how to run routes, they have good footwork. Uh, they know how quick the ball comes out. I mean, you don't have a chance to monkey around. Uh, because the ball might hit you in the helmet or fly right by you. So you have to really be alert enough to know that it's all quickness. It's all quickness and reaction.
0: Fred Bolidnikoff, as we wrap it up, we'll continue to talk about the golf tournament coming up and how you can play with Freddie and everyone else out there. So I wanted to discuss the draft for you because when you were established as a Raider and you came in and, you know, you're playing there in Super Bowl two and you win this MVP of Super Bowl eleven, there were a lot of great players drafted behind you, but there wasn't immense turnover players played with one team they played longer with one team and now you've seen all the turnover with the Raiders as Dave Ziegler's trying to change this up a bit got guys on one-year contracts what was it like for you as you were established with the Raiders your third or fourth year and all of a sudden these epic draft classes are coming in behind you guys are fighting to the death to make the team and you're building the team and continuing the success with new pro bowlers and a couple of future hall of famers
1: well, you have you have to know one thing, you know. Once you're there on a team, you're established. That's your job, and if you want to give it up, then you don't work to get better. Mm-hmm. And the more you, you the, the more time you spend in football, the years, the better you get, the better. But you have to stay on top of it each and every year. You know, when uh, when we were when we were you know established, sort of say, you know, we didn't worry about the draft. You know, we didn't worry about who they brought in. It was the fact that, you know, that guy's not taking my job. I don't care who it is. You know, you're going to go a long way to take my job. And everybody had that attitude. And so that's why we were really able to establish guys. If somebody wasn't able to play that game, the next guy up, he was he was, he can come in there and he can help carry the team for a game or two or a quarter or a half, whatever you might need from him, But – but that was the the great thing about it is that that was your job, you know, and that's that's what you had, that's what you were proud of. That I'm the starter, and that guy really has to work hard in order to take your job. And you not, never let that make you complacent that that was your job. You had a battle for that job every year, and that's the great thing with Al. You know, you competed every single year, and if you wanted to be that guy starting. That's what you had to do. That's you simple.
0: know, there's more to that story because you just mentioned Mr. Davis you know what a maverick he was. Did he send a message? If he drafts a player, a linebacker, or a corner, and those guys are there, they think they have their job, they're probably going to win it. But was that the way of Mr. Davis also saying, we're improving the team? And, hey, even your position is up for grabs. I can imagine what the vibe must have been like at training camp when Mr. Davis is walking around with the outfit on and new players are coming in and he's building relationship with them. They they might take a job from a veteran. <laughs>
1: Listen. Let me tell you this, okay? Without that was your job, but you got had to be aware that there might be somebody yeah. else that might take that job. So when you went to camp every single year, you never felt comfortable enough to know that you had that job a hundred percent. You still had to compete for it. That was a great thing about Al. That's what ke- that's what kept everybody playing so hard and getting so good each and every year with the fact that you know yeah you're 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 the starter but you know and there was always that but in there and you better be aware of when you heard that but you know that you better get your ass rolling because it's never going to be easy and that's that's what that's how he he made it for us is that you know you, hey you're competing you got to mm-hmm. compete you want to win and you have to have that mental attitude and that strong strong physical, mental toughness in you to be able to go out there and play.
0: Uh, Fred Blitnikoff, the Hall of Famer. Fred, finally, one more thing about the team. At the Adelson event where Mark Davis was honored, Uh, You had a chance to see uh, Dave Ziegler, Josh McDaniels. They were both kind enough to attend. You're getting to know them, and especially the GM, Dave Ziegler. I'd like to get a comment from you on him because you back this team, Mark Davis. You go back your Mark's entire life, and you want this team to win more than anybody I know. You're one of the great alumni in the history of this program here. How much support do you have for them now? As they're trying to get this right, they deconstructed some of the roster. They brought in a lot of guys recently, and then they're coming into the draft. And they got to go big in the draft. They got to come out of this draft with some big time success. Tell me what you think about these guys. As they're now trying to fix this and get it right, especially Dave Ziegler, the GM.
1: Well, you know what? It's 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 a whole different atmosphere nowadays with everything. Everything is so much media, this that, but. You know, you have to have people that they they're not into that. They they can't pay attention to that. They're they're single minded about the team, and that's all they're concerned about is making the team better. Listen the things that are going on, like uh, last year, this year, whatever. That's part of football. That's going to happen all the time. There's no doubt about it. And you have to have two strong guys running the team. You know, you got to have a strong head coach. You got to have a strong General manager and both those guys are. I mean, uh, I mean, I support both of them 100% because, you know, they, they want to win. Mm-hmm. And, you know, when they're in charge and they're looking at the team, okay, how can we make our team better? Well, there's a lot of, a lot of times you have to make that team better. It's not gonna, a lot of people aren't going to be happy when you have to let people go mm-hmm. and replace them to get your team better. And that's just, that's just part of the growing pains. That's part of being that's be, that's part of wanting to build a winner, and that's what those two guys are trying to do.
0: Nicely said. It's the Blitnickoff Golf Invitational, April twenty fourth, Canyon Gate Country Club, Blitnickoff dot org. There's still a few foursomes left, and they go quickly. So, Freddie, I want fans to hang up the phone, go to the website, and get involved with this for the charity endeavors. The all the great things that surround this event, the legacy of your late daughter, Tracy. Tell everybody how they can get tickets. Be a part of this. Get out there and golf with all this and be a part of such a special evening.
1: Well, you know, you just you, you just, you just go on a website. Just go on bletnikoff.org. That'll take it to everything and explain everything to you and the different levels of, of participation we have, uh, what, what those levels are. And, you know, everybody participate. We're doing a lot of great work. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you go on a website, it's very, the, the website's a great website. Angela's has done a great job with the website, and it explains itself very easily, very simple mm-hmm. for everybody, and and you'll find a, a lot, we're doing a lot of good things, you know, we're mm-hmm. we're, now, we're now with the St. Jude Children Ranch, yep. that we're really making a big impact down there and being part of, so that's another part of our mission, to get things going down there and be part of, of the Las Vegas area. Which Angela has done a great job getting involved with people down there. And everybody's been very receptive, and and we love it. And uh, we're happy that we've moved our two big events down there.
0: Absolutely. Well, the guest room's always ready for you at my house, but you always stay in these nice (laughs) VIP hotels. So I get a chance to come over and see you, and you're going to be staying through the draft. So from the golf tournament, you're going to be involved heavily with what the Raiders are doing with the draft coming up. That's exciting.
1: I'm going to sit there, too, and watch it. I'll be watching it with you, I
0: hope. (laughs) 100% at the Raiders draft party. I'm happy we could do this. Uh, Bolitnikoff.org. Please go get some foursomes. Donate. Make a donation. Be a part of this. Freddie, I'll see you in a couple of weeks, man. Great to talk to you. Thank you, JT. You take care. See you in a couple of weeks. Always love Freddie B coming on. And, again, please go to Bolitnikoff.org to just see the website, learn about Tracy Bolitnikoff and why we put on all all these events to crab feed and especially the golf tournament for Fred and Angela. It's really special, and the Raiders completely back it and put everything they have behind it, so I'm proud to be associated with it. Coming up, my appearance on a Raider ladies' podcast that I thought was a lot of fun. Two women in our building who know the silver and black and have a different perspective as we continue Friday, brought to you by the DeCastavirti Law Group. If you get into an accident, 702-222-9999. Alex? and Orlando Castaverdi have your back. La Familia, as they take us through a Friday here on Raider Nation Radio, 920 a.m. We are back on Raider Nation Radio Friday. Hope you enjoyed the conversation again with Fred Belitnikov Earlier this week, no, it was Sunday. It was this past Sunday. I sat down in studio with Steph McKenzie and Rachel Nunez for their podcast. They do a Raiders Ladies podcast, and they talk about a lot of charity work and everything that's happening in the community. And Steph, she's a goddess in this town as a Raider fan. She's been here before almost anybody on the radio. She's got one of the best shows anywhere in town she's a rock jock with a lot of passion for the silver and black and i sat in on their podcast earlier i hope you enjoy it
2: it's time for the real lv raiders ladies podcast a place for all the real raider laden fans to support encourage and share in a fun fan community here's your hosts, steph mckenzie and rachel nunez Oh, first, give me a test. Make sure you're okay.
0: Check. One, two, three. JT. Three, two, one. Yes, yes. Hello. All right, right, everyone.
2: Good. Here we go. Welcome, everyone, to the Real LB Raider Ladies Podcast, created and developed by me, Steph McKenzie. And me, Rachel Nunez. And we take you through the evolution of what it's like to be a real sports fan through the eyes of a woman. It's so much fun and very excited for our next guest who has been with the Raiders through and through for years and years and years. Of course, we always talk about the Raiders, but we talk about sports stuff, too. And he's got it all. It's JT the Brick from Raider Nation Radio.
0: Wow, ladies. Thanks for having me. I've been waiting to do this. I'm thrilled to be here. How are you?
2: Well, I'm awesome. I'm so excited to finally have you I'm, on. I'm like in awe.
0: Well, I am thrilled to be here because I listen to all of your work, even when I'm up early in the morning. You're my number one go-to, along with Howard. I listen oh, to you, okay. okay. I'll let and you have you're that. my number one go-to female Raider fan.
2: Yes, thank so, you. There you go. And, and I now, will be your number two.
0: I will take that. <laughs> yes. I can use a number two. How are you guys? Thanks we for are me.
2: so amazing. Well, first and foremost, um, for people that might not know you mm-hmm. or new people, you know, that are listening, what are you to the Raider organization?
0: I've been kind of a jack of all media trade. I just finished year twenty four with them and a whole bunch of different media capacities. I do pre and post game. I was their sideline reporter back in the day. I interview the head coach on television. I do the coaches interview
2: here in Las Vegas. Here in
0: Las Vegas, and I basically do a two hour radio Raider radio show every day, a Raider podcast. So I started with the Raiders in nineteen ninety eight. as their pre- and post-game host, and I've been doing it through this past season, going into year 25.
2: So can we say that you are a Raider fan, or do you only get to talk about it from a political reporter?
0: No, no, that's a great question. First off, backstory, I didn't grow up a Raider fan. I grew up a New York Giant fan in Long Island, New York, diehard I and couldn't then, tell with that accent. Yeah, the G-Man, thick man, Especially right? coming off the Red Hot Chili Peppers last night, so it's going. But uh, so I moved out, and I started in radio. I won the Jim Rome Smack Off. I won a caller contest, which Stop back it. then, yeah. with Jim Rome. Yeah, I won his first ever Smack Off, which at the time was way before reality TV and American Idol and all that, so I won a contest. And if I would have came in second place in that contest, I wouldn't be sitting here today.
2: And what made you do that?
0: I was a caller. I was a passionate, I was a stockbroker in New York. I moved out west to San Diego in the early 90s, and I switched over firms to Smith Barney and Merrill Lynch. And I would be in my car, and I was listening to sports radio every day. And I had the Jim Rome show and a couple other shows in San Diego, and I just fell in love with the culture of sitting in my car, listening, and calling in. And once I started calling in, I was hooked. So Jim decided to have a contest where he invited the best 20 or 30 callers, invite only. You had to get invited from him for this contest called the Smack Off. And I entered it with about 20, 25 guys, and I won it.
3: Ah, that's awesome. Which was just
0: a great call. I put together a two, three-minute call on Good Friday. I went into my studio, and I cleared off, uh, excuse me, my office. I cleared off my entire desk. I had a couple of handwritten notes. That was it. And I went on this deep dive of a phone call because my name was JT from La Jolla, but everybody called me JT the Brick because it rhymed with Knicks. And I would always call in on the Knicks. Oh. So I won that contest. I had, a, I had a chance in my life to quit my job as a stockbroker and be a radio host in Vegas. So I got syndicated out a sports fan radio network. And a year into it, the Raiders heard me in the middle of the night. The GM of the Raiders was in his office and said, who is this guy? I don't know who he is. He's taking all these Raider calls. Hire him. And they flew me up and they hired me on the spot. And that was the beginning of all that. And that's how I got into radio.
2: And who was your very first Raider player you ever met?
0: Wow. That's well, Mr. Davis meeting Al Davis was, you know, the pinnacle of all that. But at that time I got hired the same exact day as John Gruden. When John Gruden was first time, not second time. Wow. John Gruden took the Raiders the first time as a youngest coach and all that. I got hired right around that same day. And that's when I started in '98, and you know Tim Brown and all the great legends back there. there are just so many of them. Everybody started in '98 and went through from Sebastian Janikowski to Jerry Rice. You know, when I started with the Raiders, the first few years were spectacular. They went to two AFC Championship games and a Super Bowl. So I thought that was going to be like, every I'm year. In it. Oh, <laughs> it, was, it was incredible. And I sat in the black hole, and I, I would hang over the black hole with the fans with all you know, the makeup on and the insane fans and notorious fans. So when I started, I went to the black hole. This is a cool story. I don't tell much. I went to the black hole and I met this guy, Black Hole Rob, who founded the black hole. And I said, look, you guys don't have any representation on the radio. And I go, I can't fake that I'm a Raider fan because I'm not from here, but I'm going to back you guys. If you back me and he looked me in the eye and he says, if you don't screw us up, if you don't do us dirty, you're one of us. And right at that moment, I became embedded with embedded with the Raiders. And then I became more of a fan. And now I'm a diehard fan. Yes. And a lot of people who give me crap about that say, well, you weren't a Raider fan. Well, yeah, you're right. But I think I invested 24 years into this product. And now that they came to Vegas, I'm a diehard Las Vegas Raider fan because I love everything about Vegas.
2: Well, and truth be told... Uh, JT and I are really good friends outside of anything we do for broadcast. And, of course, the love of the Raiders have brought this together. Fun story about JT, Rachel, I have to tell you. He didn't remember this story, but we were at I, – I was a uber – like fan. Every time I saw JT, he'd be on TV up and down California and in, in Vegas mm-hmm. before they came here. And I was like, Oh my God, I love that guy's job. Like a Jamie little, right? right. Cause he's in broadcasting. Yeah. He's doing great things. And he was with my team yeah. and he was talking to everyone and doing all this cool stuff. And we were at this big, huge charity auction at the Palms and JT was there and they were broadcasting, doing stuff. And he was a little tipsy,
0: Not if I was on the air Not if I was on the air If I was a guest at the Palms I would have been something
2: And I was like Oh my god JT It's so nice to meet you And he kind of blew me off And not not because he meant to Or you know There's a lot going on And he's a big star He probably won't give it to himself But he is He does a lot And so from then I was like I don't know if I like him anymore And now we've
0: become The best of friends Well I'm big on first impressions And I try to make a great First impression with everybody So if you took that the wrong way That's on you, not on me. Or you can you can blame the beverage that I had in my hand yeah. at that time, or the or the stress of doing that. But we, we became great friends. I have so much respect for you and the brand that you've built here on the radio in Vegas and doing what you do from remotes to concerts to all the charity work you do, all the. MC work that you do and then knowing your family and your kids and everyone surrounding your life it's just a pleasure to be friends with you. We've had a we've had a nice run and it's just beginning.
2: Yeah, it is just beginning. Yeah. And that brings us to everything that we'd love to talk to you about. Mm-hmm. First we're going to jump into why we're here and the evolution of women and women in sports mm-hmm. because that's something you and I've really yeah. talked about a lot about and that's why Rachel and I are here. It's been, you know, not just win and loss with the Raiders, but being a woman and going. I've traveled I've traveled with the team. I've gone to games, numerous games, spent a lot of money. And sometimes it's not really fun being a woman, being a fan. Have you seen some things like that, especially I'm assuming you have being in the black hole and all the years being with the Raiders of women being treated just like meh?
0: I mean, I've seen a lot, but I haven't seen a lot of disrespect. I've seen a lot of diehard female Raider fans who get right in the middle of it. I mean, hardcore Raider fans who come to games on the road, they're tailgating, they go right into the hardcore part of a stadium on the road, and they represent. They got their gear on, they'll go toe-to-toe with guys, they cheer. I haven't seen a lot of disrespect where males were saying bad things about women often, but of course, from time to time, you see something stupid with any gender here. But I just want to tell you, I have a lot of respect for the female Raider fans who— have put their life and heart and soul into this like you have. And some of the best Raider fans that I've ever met, ever met, are inside that stadium. I mean, that's not everybody can go to a game, as you know. Not everyone can get tickets or afford it. But you see so many women at the game representing the silver and black. And then they bring their kids. And their kids are four-, five-year-old, little girls. They're wearing the Woodson jersey. Or they're wearing, now coming up, a Jimmy Garoppolo jersey. And you see them. And it's just a fan base that is so deep and spirited, passed down from generations, grandparents, grandmas, grandfathers, aunts and uncles, that that's why I'm proud to be associated with this team, the fans. The fans, you can't pull over anything on these fans. They're the most authentic, hardcore, notorious, genuine I've ever met. And I've tried to defend them everywhere I go because fans from around the country, as you know, Denver, Kansas City, San Diego, now L.A., They'll talk about a couple of isolated incidents over the years. Every team has Everyone that. Team. With the Raiders, it gets magnified. It gets magnified. Why? Because I think that's another good question. I think a lot of it has to do with the early success of the Raiders, right? They've played in five Super Bowls. They've won three. They were the team of the decades. They won a lot. When they came into this league, they won constantly up until the late 80s and 90s. And there was a lot of jealousy and there was a lot of aggression and Raider fans, it's the silver and black. You know, it's the shield. And Raider fans will go into a hostile environment, and if they get pushed around, they'll fight their way out of it. And that just builds the notorious element of them over the years. So when I get on the radio and fans call in nationally from around the country and say, oh, Raider fans are this and that, I say, no, go to a game, come with me into the black hole, come to the tailgate, and meet these Police officers, doctors, lawyers, nurses, military, great people. And every fan base has a couple of uh, knuckleheads. But uh, I think the Raiders, it gets overblown a bit.
3: Well, I mean, I I am that Raider fan, Mm -hmm. that Raider female. I've been going to games since the 80s. I watched, you know, our first Super Bowl. And my grandfather was a Washington Redskins fan okay and we played in the Super Bowl and he's like he's like, Miha who, who do you who do you like? and I, I know I told this story about my grandpa um I said, I like the Pirates Papa And since then I you know I love the, the 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 idea and the image of of the Pirates and we what no matter how harsh the seas are, we are always always in it to win it.
0: No doubt. There's a a dedication to win. And that's just not from Al Davis, commitment to excellence, Mm -hmm. pride and poise. They mean that. Mark Davis cares about it. Mrs. Davis. When we talk about women, we got to talk about Carol Davis and the impact. She's the owner of the team with her son. And she is a tremendous woman, tremendous woman who cares about this brand as much as anyone. And I'm proud to know her. And been at some private events with her and seen her behind the scenes. And she's just a glorious woman. She she lit the torch in memory of Al yeah, Davis for the did. first ever game when there was no one in the stadium. Promise me we'll dive into that topic in a little bit. Okay. Which yeah. is unbelievable. But, you know, getting back to the fans, the fans are the culture of this organization. And these are great fans. And they've been through a lot. And they've been through a lot going from Oakland to L.A. to Oakland, potentially Carson, California. And then they end up here in Las Vegas, and I was in the middle of all that, Mm -hmm. all of it. And it was pretty intense up in Oakland near the end because a lot of fans took it out on everybody. They took it out on the coach. They took it out on the radio host. They took it out on the owners. And I was just watching this happen. And to see them come to Vegas, I've been telling people over the last couple of years, let it breathe. We miss Oakland. We never wanted to leave Oakland. Never wanted to leave. No. The politicians there really drove the Raiders out, along with a lot of other stories there. But now I'm starting to see. It took a year or two, but Oakland fans are coming here, going, "I get it." You Look don't at the stadium it so
2: much. You don't hear the anger.
0: No, you don't hear it as much because the fans needed to see the venue. They needed to see a Legion Stadium. They knew what you know we had in Oakland, and at the end of it, the stadium was falling apart. It was just really a rough place to be at. If you were a fan, you didn't have any amenities, right? Then you come here, and it's not all about the amenities, but the fans get it. They go inside, and it's all silver and black. And there's the torch. And you're not walking into SoFi Stadium where you're wondering, who plays here? It's glorious. Well, is it the Chargers, or is it the Rams? It's, it's really big <laughs> yeah. See, and amazing. But you go into Allegiant, and you go, oh, this is the Raiders. Right. I get it. And I think the fans now have come to grips with that. It'll never be Oakland, but Las Vegas is special.
3: Well, it was, I mean, promises made, promises broken twice. Yeah. I mean, yeah. going to LA, the Coliseum was supposed to be our, mm-hmm. you know, the, the, the newest, the greatest, the best stadium. It was promised to Al Davis. Yeah. Never happened. Go back to Oakland. Oakland's like, we're going to make this right. You guys are going to be, you know, top of the league, the best ever. And no one could get their stuff together. No one could get anything together for the benefit of this team and what revenue this team would bring. It was almost like an afterthought.
0: You bring in a great point on the revenue. You know, again, Oakland leaving Oakland was really rough because that's the DNA and heart and soul of Raider Nation is Oakland. Oakland still is. Okay. Right. Oakland. There it is. And LA has a massive fan base. The LA Raiders and the Raiders in LA are still bigger than the Rams and the Chargers combined. I really mean that. If you look at the fan base, the culture, how many people live there, the multi-millions, there'll be more Raider fans there than Rams and Chargers combined. But now we're the, we're the West Coast hub for a global franchise, right? That has fans in London, in Spain, in Tokyo. All around the world. Mexico City is Mexico City, massive, massive. Great point. And now you look at this team and everybody knows, okay, it's the entertainment and sports capital of the world. Our team is there. We have a brand new practice facility and headquarters, a brand new stadium. It's kind of fun, right? We want to go to Vegas and have a good time. So I remind everybody, I go, put all the BS behind you and just come out here and enjoy it. There's no fights. No one's getting in trouble. Everyone's having a good time in this stadium where you can eat off the floors. There's clubs, there's luxuries, there's concerts, and just have fun with it. Live in the past, because the Raiders' past is really glorious. History history is amazing. But come to where we are now in 2023 and see the future. And you mentioned the revenue. The revenue that Mark Davis is bringing in with this franchise now, with all the men and women who built that stadium, brought the team here, you can't imagine it. We just saw that the Commanders are going to be sold for $6 billion, right? The Denver Broncos just sold for $4.5 billion. Right. What do you think the Raiders are going to be worth 5, 10 years from now? Right. I mean, you can't imagine with everything we have here, but it's got to work in Vegas. we got to win games. In the last couple of years, last couple of years, we went to the playoffs. Last year, a step backwards. Now a big draft coming up. A lot of free agents came in and... I know from talking to Mark Davis last weekend, I mean, he is laser focused on whatever this coaching staff and GM could do to start winning more.
2: All right. When we come back, we are going to find out more about the winning, the X's and O's from JT uh the Brick. And we got to hear that story about Mrs. Davis. Okay. All right. This is the Real LV Ladies Podcast. Welcome back to the Real LV Ladies Podcast. I'm your host, created and developed by myself, Steph McKenzie. Rachel Nunez here. And we are joined with the amazing JT the Brick. If you don't know him, you've got to Google and research him. He's been with the Raiders forever. I would say he is uh, that other man on the field that makes decisions. <laughs> uh, you're being
0: real nice to me because uh, it's really nice to be around an organization this long and to make so many great relationships with the fans, the players, and especially the alumni and the Raiderettes. Oh, Over the decades.
2: I love the Raiderettes. You know? I got to tell you, why, especially here. Do you know that the Raiderettes is the only studio in the NFL that opens it, do- it opens the doors for the public to come in? And they have fitness studio mm-hmm. in there and they um, help the young generation and they do classes for them. That's it's so really cool.
0: And Mark Davis brought back the Raiderettes for their 60th year anniversary, whatever, 50 year anniversary. It was incredible. I was emceeing it on the field. So they brought out 50, cool. 55,000 people, and I'm on the 50-yard line with Marcus Allen, Jim Plunkett, and the week before the Raiderettes came out, and Mark Davis took them all out from every generation. That's from awesome. From 1960 the 70s, 80s, and what other owner in sports does that? I mean, right. it's not an owner. You, know, you bring back a couple of Super Bowl legends, a couple of alumni. Mark just brought back... Every single alumni who ever played for the team who was able to come, he invited all of them. All of them. It's, and that'll never happen again in NFL history. Just it hasn't happened before. I don't think it'll happen again. It happened here in Vegas.
2: And you got to go take a tour. This is my shameless little plug of touring Allegiant yes. Stadium to go see the Raiderette locker room and the Raiders locker room. Right. I yeah, mean, it's, it's, it's awesome. A
0: fantastic tour. And uh, they're going on today. After uh, the Chili Peppers last night, they (laughs) tore it down and tours are up. That's another nice revenue stream, too. That that tour is working out real well for the city because we were going to tell a little bit of a backstory on COVID. What happened was, you know, a lot of shows shut down and there were a lot of, you know, Cirque shows that weren't in existence and all that. And the Raiders come up post-COVID with this tour. And now it's an attraction in Vegas. I mean, it really is. People awesome. go there and they can see all the things that you can't see on game day, behind the scenes, the locker room, all that. Mark Davis's suite, the broadcast booth where they do the TV broadcast and radio. So that was interesting. And I was going to share with you, we mentioned Mrs. Davis. She lit the torch in memory of Al Davis for the first game ever played at so Allegiant beautiful. Stadium. Raiders beat Drew Brees in New Orleans in that game. And what was wild is there was only a few of us in the building. Mark Davis said, "No one's in. If he doesn't go, if the fans don't go, he's not going to go. So there was just a few members of the broadcast team. No concessions, no security, nobody. I mean, nobody. Lincoln Kennedy at the time, Brett Musburger, his spotter, statistician, me, and the engineers. And we'd go in that building, and it was one of the most eerie. Uni- yeah." first off it's that's
3: inaugural season
0: that's inaugural that is
3: inaugural season for the greatest stadium built
0: right and that season when you walked in everything was covered so all the cast registers had bubble wrap all the refrigerators had bubble wrap right everything was painted brand new and i would go in there and i'd swipe my card and there'd be no elevator attendant nobody and then I'd go up to the press box, and it was like a scene
3: apocalyptic. It was a apop- Yeah.
0: And then you'd go into the broadcast booth, and you could hear the players on the field talking on the sidelines wow. while the game was going on in the 400 section where the press box is, <laughs> and you can hear the pads hitting and the coaches calling in the players and the players coming off the field. That was something that'll stay with me the rest of my life. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And that was, and then year two, there was the COVID vaccination requirement which still was sold out. Mark Davis made that decision. That was his decision. Everyone got in line behind it. And then year three, there were no longer any restrictions, and that was this past season. So it's been to see the place completely empty while football games are going on, to seeing it vibrant when Chandler Jones caught that lateral with Jacoby Myers (sighs) and to hear the place rocking. There's been a lot of cool stuff happening in that building. So
2: we go into 23-24 season. Mm -hmm. We got... Jimmy G. Yeah. And everyone's only all about Jimmy G. I'm still about Max Crosby. Yeah. <laughs> Give us some of your thoughts.
0: My thoughts are this is going to be an interesting year because they just did a lot this off season, bringing in a lot of debt players. But they also brought in a lot of good players. Epps, the safety, started for the Eagles in the Super Bowl. He's going to start here. Uh, they brought in a linebacker, Spillane, who's going to come in and play and start at linebacker, I would assume middle linebacker. They brought in Jacoby Myers jimmy garoppolo we have the leading rusher and about three or four other receivers now the draft is coming up here at the end of the month and that's all going to be about rebuilding the defense because you you know there's no such thing as rebuilding a team because this this team's not in a rebuild they have some really good players you can't go up to max crosby josh jacobs Devontae adams Mm -hmm. and jimmy garoppolo going hey um Put a year of your life on hold and we'll kind of fix this and get next year will be better. These guys, I think, are going to surprise a lot of people, but they have to. Dave Ziegler, who I like a lot, he's really got to nail this draft. They got to come in with four or five starters. That's hard to do, but Seattle did it last year. Kansas City did it. Jacksonville did it two years ago. They went to the playoffs. They were, Jacksonville was the worst team in football for two years in a row. They had the number one pick. Right. Then they went to the playoffs. So the Raiders, with Jimmy G, Josh Jacobs, Devontae, and this offense, Hunter Renfro, everyone they have on the roster now, with three or four new defensive players and maybe a couple more surprises, I think they're going to surprise everybody because a lot of insiders and fans around the country are not giving the Raiders much hope for this upcoming year. And I am, I think they're going to surprise a lot of people and they're not done, but it's all going to depend on the draft. They have to have a monster draft, no mistakes, because as you guys know, the last couple of years, the misses in the draft have put this organization backwards on the field when it comes to talent.
3: Well, oh. I think like, like my financial advisor likes to tell me mm. to diversify. Yeah. Um, let's not get all Alabama players uh, like we love to do. Um, there is the defense this year in college football was, I think, some of the best I've ever seen. Yeah. So there is no excuse to not get great players on defense.
0: It depends on when you take them. I agree with you because if you want to take a quarterback with the seventh pick overall, who would be a backup quarterback in the right. beginning until he gets ready, then you're not going to get an elite defensive player with right. the seventh pick. If you get... An elite cornerback or an elite defensive tackle, and then the next round you get another corner or defensive tackle or linebacker. Then it's the fourth, fifth round, and then you get a tight end or you get a guard. I'm all for that, but I think they have to get a new culture of great young. This is what Josh McDaniel has been saying. You guys listen a lot, is that they need smarter, more athletic, and more explosive players. They're giving you the blueprint of exactly what they're going to go get because last year, They didn't have athletic players who were explosive. And you saw the middle of the field was wide open on defense. Teams just carved them up. So Patrick Graham, the defensive coordinator, has his assignment now. No excuses now. If you don't have the players from last year, which he did not, you better go out and find them in the draft or free agency. And I think they did that with the safety, a linebacker, a couple corners, but they're more role players. Now the stars have got to be found in the draft, and that's what they're going to be—they're going to be held accountable for that. They have to have star players quickly in this draft. Well,
2: and I think one thing, though, that goes even deeper than that, and you're seeing a culture, not just the Mm -hmm. Raiders, but kids, these kids that are playing that we need to pull, Mm -hmm. not just us, but all teams— I think that they're going like I say it because I have a son who's 10. They all want to be in the NFL. They do. Because there's tons of money. But where's the passion? You said that they're looking for smarter, yep. more explosive.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Or are they just coming out of college because they're going to get paid? What's
0: yeah, that question? That's a good question. You gotta. That's a great question because that's what Dave Ziegler now in charge with. It's a brand when the Mayock and Gruden era came to an end, right? So all those scouts are gone. All those guys behind the scenes who helped build the team and the the roster. Now you have a brand new group that have come from the success of the Patriots, where they had tremendous success finding guys who were good and then they coached them to greatness. Right? They yes. weren't these aren't Hall of Famers that were on their defense. Right. They had a couple of them, you know, a couple of good players there, Richard Seymour, Willie McGinnis, Teddy Bruski back in the day, but they were known for Brady. And Gronk in their offense Ooh, and all the that. Yeah, I said did. the word? Yeah, I did. How long did it take there? <laughs> um, but what I like now is they're going to find guys who have a passion. And Dave ziegler has got to bring them in and vet them. You got to know just because you went to Clemson, Dave Dave Ziggler doesn't care, right. That you went to Clemson. You were supposed to win at Clemson. You're one of the best teams in the country. Right. He wants to find guys from smaller schools and the bigger schools that have the same exact passion that will put their life into the Raiders. And I think you're going to see that this year. I think you're going to see more players like that. Thanks again to Steph and Rachel. Download their podcast. If you're a Raider lady listening, hope you enjoy that. Hope you enjoy what they're doing. And they do it every week. They drop a podcast every week with a different Raider guest. They had Vinnie Bonson, you're on before me. And hopefully you'll hear more exciting guests coming up as we get ready for the season. Enjoy the weekend, everybody. The Masters. Brooks Kepka, the leaderboard as it's changing as I speak here. We got a big week of radio next week, especially from inside the Raider facility as we get you ready for the NFL draft on the flagship of the Raiders, Raider Nation Radio.